Welcome to the Coach's Platform Podcast, where we discuss transformational coaching and its mission to change the arc of young people's lives. Our guest tonight is Coach Sandro Prosperino from Valhalla High School in Valhalla, New York. Coach Prosperino is a 23-year coaching veteran and has just completed his 15th season as head boys soccer coach at Valhalla. Coach Prosperino was most recently awarded the 2020 High School Coach of Significance by the United Soccer Coaches. Uh, This recognizes the members of coaching community who coach for character and use soccer to teach life lessons at the high school level. Having known Coach Prosperino for almost 20 years now, it's been a joy for me to see his transition from a JV coach to a head soccer coach to a leader of the program, a leader of young men, and a leader in the school and community. He's an inspiration to me, and I hope his story of uh, fighting through adversity here uh, in the face of this pandemic will be an inspiration to us all. Let's kick it off. Welcome to the Coach's Platform Podcast. Uh, we're lucky enough tonight to have Coach Sandro Prosperino from Valhalla High School. Coach Prosperino is a 23-year soccer coach, uh, 15 years as the head coach at Valhalla High School. Uh, I've been lucky enough to know him for, for a good chunk of those 23 years uh, and, and seeing how he's invested in uh, his community, being an alum of, of Valhalla, uh, invested in, in, in the school, invested in the athletic program. and. Uh, how he's really transformed uh, the program and, 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 and what it means to be a Valhalla Viking soccer player. So, uh, Sandro, welcome. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Joseph. It's a pleasure to be on today. Man, we're excited to have you. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's rip the Band-Aid off. You guys, you guys lost in a, a brutal fashion today. And here's what I want to know. Like, a- after the game, kids' heads are down, you know, obviously and and deservedly like losing a tough battle in a game that that you guys dominated uh for everything but the score what do you say to them like like at the end there like when it's like well we're done guys like what where where do you go with them for that so joseph those words those those first words are just so powerful and 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 uh so yeah we we had a game today quarterfinals of uh the, the playoffs for us and we go out Played very well, um, going to overtime. At that point, it's sudden death. And, well, they call it golden goal now. They don't say sudden death anymore, but it sure feels like sudden death. And, uh, and our opponent scores and wins. And, and you see the, your players just collapse. And some are sobbing. You know, most of them that are sobbing are your seniors. And, and you have some of your underclassmen, they're sobbing too. And, you know, they feel for their seniors because those are the guys that really took them under their wing during the season and whether it's driving them to practice or showing them the ropes. But, but yeah, those, those, well, the first thing that I did is I tried to find the guys that I felt like needed me the most. And there were a few of them where I just walked over to them and uh, tried to, you know, help them up off the ground and, and gave them a big hug, right? We're not supposed to be doing that during these, these uh, pandemic times, but um, gave them a big hug. And my first words is, is, 
telling them just how proud I have I am of them, how they carried themselves always, and uh, and I told them I love them. And uh, it's funny, the few of the seniors that I did that to, their first words were, "I'm sorry, coach," and and I said, "You're sorry for what? For for uh, for pouring your heart into this? What are you what are you sorry for?" I was like, there's no sorries here. It's just, uh, you know, I love you. And I, and I love how you represented um, the team and the program and the school and the community. You're, you're, that, you're, you're the, the ambassador that we want here. Um, so I grab a few of them and, and say some of the similar things to them. And then at that point, I, I brought the entire team in and I told them, look, we, we feel this way because we weren't ready for this journey to end. And when you invest this much into, into this program and, and when you sacrifice as much as you have and your, and your parents, whether it's the driving they did or the, the financial investment, all the, all the jerseys they washed or whatever, when you put this much into it, you're going you're gonna to feel this way. And it's almost... It's almost a crime if you don't feel that way. It's almost a, like you have, I haven't done my job as, a, as the head of the program if they're not feeling that way. So, um, you know, I, I try to find the right words to try to pick them up. And I, and I told them, look, this is going to sting. It's going to sting for a while. But once that sting passes, you should have nothing but big smiles on your face thinking about the time that we spent together um, as a family out here. You used a couple words there, man, love and family. And, and I really believe that if we're doing it the right way as, as a coach, like these kids should feel that love from us. And, and hopefully the way we impart it, their teammates also bring that love together. Right. And then they do grow as a family and grow as a group. And, and you mentioned like underclassmen, right? Like it's hard for seniors, obviously, but the thing is, like, this is the last time this team is going to be together, right? Like, everybody's like, Valhalla High School soccer. Like, all these kids are going to go on next year. It's going to be another season or whatever. But this is the last time this team gets to feel this together. And I don't know that a lot of people give that enough credence, right? Because every year it's new, right? Every year, as much as you try to instill tradition and, and belief that we're building on the, block, the backs of our brothers – like every year it's just a new team and like every year when it's over, that team never gets to be together again. And I, that's family, right? Like family changes every year. Like we're always together, but it's always a little bit different. Every Thanksgiving, it's a little bit different. Right? So I love that you use the words family and love. Tell me a little bit about how you instill that love amongst your guys, right? Because it's hard for high school guys to love each other. Right. Like it's, it, it's a difficult thing. Like it's not the norm. So tell me how a little bit, how you instill that with your guys. There is some awkward awkwardness when you use that word around, you know, 15, 16, 17 year olds. And, and, and that'll never go away. Um, I think more than anything, when you talk about love, when you talk about family, especially families become like such a cliche in sports, right? You, you hear every huddle, they'll say it. But for me, I always tell the boys, look, I, I don't want to hear it. I want to see it. I, I should be able to see family. I should be able to see love. Uh, your parents should be able to see love from the stands when they watch you play. And I think the, the most important thing is, is uh, as coaches, 
just being very intentional with our acts, whether it's intentional with the culture we create, uh, intentional with the decisions we make. But, um, you know, my players should be able to, you know, when they hear it, they should be like, all right, it's kind of awkward. I've got this old guy saying he loves me, right? And, and uh, um, but then they should take a step back. Like, no, I, I kind of see that all around, like how he treats us and how he talks to us. And um, he never puts us down. You know, he, he values our input. Uh, you know, we have a way of, of, of helping shape the, 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 the team and the program. Um, but I, I think more than anything, with everything we do, it's all those little things. You do all the little things right, and they add up to the big stuff. And, and especially when it comes to love and family, where, um, you know, like little, I, I don't know, try to give an example. I, like, I know this year what was really challenging with, the, with the, the pandemic is you can't have ball boys. You can't, like, you, you just limit the amount of people that are there. And I know a lot of programs, they'll have like their subs or somebody who's injured um, running the balls. And I'm like, no, you're sitting on the bench. You're, you're, on, the, you're on the team. Um, I'm not going to have you run the balls. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put all the balls around and uh, we'll try to replenish them together when the balls goes out, out of bounds. But you're, you're not, you're not going to be the ball boy today. You've worked too hard to be on this, in this, in this, on this team for me to all of a sudden have you run the, the lines. So I, I think it's those little acts like that where – you really value them, um, value what they say, and, and, and value who they are on the team, regardless of what role they have on the team. You use the word intentional and value, and I, I, I'm a huge fan of, of showing the value to the kids on the team who, you know, every aspect of them, right? To the, the kid who, who's never going to set foot on the field, to the guy who's a Division One rock star who's going to go play somewhere forever, right? Um, how do you how do you impart the value to those guys that that know they're not going to be the stud, right? Like, how do you make them feel just as important? Well, in the, in that way, right? Like, nobody's ever going to feel like at, at, nobody's ever going to feel the highs of of the the highest kid on the team, right? Because that's just that's just a special feeling that only certain people get. I get that, but so, so I know for me. Um... I saw that firsthand as a, as a student athlete when I ran track uh, and, and Coach D. Domenico knows uh, Coach Madunio, Coach D who coached uh, track and field at Valhalla for, I don't know, half a, half a century <laughs> or so. And um, the one thing that stood out to me is that whether you were the best player in the team or whether you were, you know, not the best player in the team, right? Maybe that last guy on the team. He always treated us. It was, you know, I don't want to say the word, um, uh, you know, he treated us all the same, but he treated us all fairly. He gave us what we needed. And uh, I, I know for me where I think one of the ways that I, I treat, um, I try to impart that and those players that don't play a whole lot is that, so when you're on the roster, we all, like I'll have a kid where I'll say to them, like, listen, I'm not sure if you're getting any playing time this year. And, and uh, you know, it's up to you if you want to um, be a part of this team. You may want to get a job. You, you may want to do something that maybe, maybe run cross country. But here's your situation. I don't see a lot of playing time for you. Um, go home, talk about it with your, with your parents and, and, and make a decision. And I said, but keep in mind this, though. Like, if you decide you want to you wanna be a part of this, you're doing everything that everybody else is doing on this team. You come to every single practice. There's three things I need from you. You come to every practice. Um, you give 100%. Um, and, and you have a great attitude. Uh, 
And, and, and I said, but the thing is this, we may have to call on you someday. And if you're doing all those things where you're showing up every day, you're working so hard, you're, you're ready now. So we've set you up for success. Um, but if you're the guy where you're not playing and then I have a different set of standards for you, like, ah, okay, I'm gonna look the other way when he's late. I'm gonna, uh, if, he's, uh, if he's not coming to practice today, I'm not gonna make a big deal about it because I'm not gonna bench him in a game because he's probably not getting into that game. Um, so I think part of, of that is just basically treating everybody the same where it's the same standard for everybody, regardless of your role on the team, whether you're that first guy or, or that last guy. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of value to do something as simple as that. I think, you know, the overarching thing there is, is you're modeling, right? You're modeling the kind of behavior you want from your guys. You're modeling that respect for each player. You're modeling respect for the team, right? By, by holding everybody to that high standard. Um, and, and if you're going to build a culture, uh, right, it has to be, right, like you said, through, through first your actions and then you know, that trickles down if you're holding them accountable to, to the culture uh, and the action that, that each of the players is taking. I think that's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. I, I, have, I, have to, I have to interject this because uh, I neglected to, to say it and at the beginning. You were selected this year uh, by the United Soccer Coaches, uh, one of 40, 41 in the nation, uh, coaches of significance okay so so uh in the in the first 15 minutes or, or so that we've just talked here you talked about love and then being intentional and caring and giving guys hugs even when you know there's a pandemic and it's weird and you're an old dude and uh, <laughs> all of that stuff that is that is being a coach of significance right and the, the way that the United Soccer Coaches refer to it is uh, it's intended to recognize members who are coaching for character using the soccer field to teach life lessons at the high school level. I mean, if you didn't just embody that in the first 10 minutes of our conversation, man, uh, I don't know who does. So uh, United Soccer Coaches picked a worthy recipient and uh, the, the Valhalla, the young men at Valhalla are lucky to have you, man. So I apologize for, for interjecting that, but man, you, you just uh, put it on display for us all here in the last 10 minutes. No, I, I being truthful, like I get uncomfortable when those accolades are directed towards me. I, I, I love it when there's a spotlight shined on the kids, especially the kids, uh, the school district, the community. I, I love that. I'll talk about that all day long. I think when it's on me, I, I, I definitely try to shy away from that. Um, I think it's nice to, to be recognized for that, but uh, I mean, you both know as coaches, I'm not sure if there's any classroom better than the athletic fields to teach life lessons, right? I, I can't, this year more than anything, just um, what we all have to go through just to get out there. I mean, number one, hats off to all the people in leadership today. I don't know how they're doing it, whether it's you know my own superintendent and uh, my own athletic director or board of, uh, of education or school nurses. I, I don't know how they do it. And, and uh, it's impressive the work they're doing and the many decisions they're making on a daily basis to try to keep us safe and keep things going. But they did give us that opportunity and I'm so grateful to them for doing that. And I mean, the one thing we've talked a lot about so much this year is just like, you know, when I tell these guys like today is a gift, I mean, it's literally a gift, right? I mean, who, who knows when, 
I mean, again, we're using the metaphor of sports that it can end at any moment, but a lot of us have been impacted by the, by this pandemic, whether it's um, losing people we love or maybe seeing our, 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 the people around us that we love struggle with not having work or, or, or um, you know, so we've all been impacted by this and, and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And, and that point really came through this year with, the, with, with these guys that listen, just this is a gift. Every day is a gift. And, and we had the unfortunate circumstances of, of, of having a COVID case in our program, which shut us down for two weeks. And uh, it came at a pretty rough time. Right? We started the season. We lose the first three games. All, you know, one was 2-0. Uh, the next one was in overtime, 2-1. And the third one, 2 nothing. And then two days later, we find out we're getting shut down for, uh, for, for two weeks. And, and, and holy cow, you know, your head starts to spin with all this. And the ironic thing is when we got on the bus and we, we had just lost to Westlake, one of our big rivals, who we hadn't lost to in nine years. And we get on the bus and I, and I tell these guys, listen, adversity is inevitable. And we're right smack in the middle of it. And I bring this up because what defines us is how we deal with that adversity. Um, are we going to start pointing fingers, you know, blaming your parents, your coach, your teammates, or whatever it is, the field conditions, the weather? Or are we going to pull together and try to figure this out? And, and, and that's what I love about coaching where, you know, you're either a coach that's going to try to figure it out or you're just going to try to ride it through and, and not make many changes at all. And, uh, you know, I told the players basically, look, you're going home and you're not looking in the mirror. You're putting this loss behind you and you're just going to ask yourself, what can I do today to get better? Or what can I do tomorrow to get better? And truthfully, there's only one person that should be looking in the mirror and that's me. And I need to figure out how did I, did I not motivate you? Did I, you know, it was the scouting not good, you know, or the drills in terms of what we worked on tactically during the week. You know, did I go in the wrong direction? But there's only one person that should be looking at for blame, and that's me, and that's directed inwards. Your job, guys, is just to keep working harder and just try to be the best version of yourself the next day or that day. And, uh, you know, you get shut down 14 days. Um, it, it wasn't fun. And, you know, I had people in the community questioning, you know, what we were doing and how much I knew um, some pretty – Rough accusations were made that, that I knew the kid was sick and, and I was willing to trade, uh, you know, this kid's sickness for, for, for a victory. And, and um, you know, I heard that and, and I cried. I mean, I, I, I literally, I broke down and cried that, and I thought to myself that the magnitude of what someone just said, like that I would be willing to potentially risk somebody's life for a high school win. It was, it was devastating. And, and, uh, I got into a dark place in my head, but then I realized more than anything, like being in a position of leadership, these guys need me. Like if I'm not going to be that face of them, that, that of optimism, of hope, then who will? And uh, we met every day, Google Meets. And none of it had to do with, with, with soccer, with fitness, with that soccer ball. We got on, number one, my most important thing was to make sure these guys were in a good place inside their heads, inside their little space they were in. Um, you know, right. Cause back in March, these guys all, they were in their bedrooms and, um, you know, doing the whole virtual thing. And a lot of these guys told me, coach, I'm like legitimate PTSD. Like I, I feel I'm in a bad place here. Um, and, uh, we quickly then shifted to like 
just fun activities, you know, two truths, one lies one day. The next day, we, I came up with some very, um, they had to interview one of their teammates. So I paired up our seniors with either a junior or, or a sophomore. And um, like the laughing we, we did, um, you know, over those two weeks, over some of the silliest things these guys were saying. They, got, they had me playing this uh, Among Us. Like this, there's this game that they're doing online, all these kids. Um, it, it's like a clue. It's like a clue, but it's like a... Um, you, you're I've doing heard, it I've heard it. My kids have talked about this. Yeah. Apparently, they, apparently, they play in school. That's, that's, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so they had me doing that. Like, coach, you got to play with us tonight. I'm like, all right, all right. But I'm like, I'm not one of these gamer guys. But, but um, you know, we, 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 we went through this as a team. And, and, you know, my goal was after I cried and felt bad for myself that I need to push through. I need to push through in a very positive way. Um, you know, and, and, and sure enough, we come out of it rusty as heck, uh, not having touched the ball in two weeks. And two practices, you know, we, we play, you know, this team that's smoking teams, and we beat them to nothing. And then we go out and beat this other team. So we end up reeling off four straight wins coming out of quarantine. Meanwhile, we had no wins going into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it's amazing. Like, I feel like a lot of times those wins cover up a lot of problems. Um, you know, uh, which is yeah. not good, right? Whether it's chemistry, whether it's who's not happy or even the way you play. Uh, but in this case, that winning really helped us um, to kind of get back to, to what, we're, what we love doing so much. Well, here's what I hear with all that is, is you took into account your kids' feelings and, and met them where they were at and didn't think, here's what we have to do to win. You thought, here's what we have to do to to keep my kids mentally healthy. And I think the huge part of that, the mental health aspect is, is like your kids saw that from you, felt the love from you and just bought into everything else because they're like, man, my coach cares about me. Right. He cares where I'm at in life. He cares what I'm doing. He doesn't give a rat's patookus about where we're at on the soccer field. He wants me good. So now when we get to get back out on the field, I'm going to give him everything, right? I'm not going to focus on all the off-the-field stuff because he's helping me there off the field. When I'm on the field for him and for my teammates, I'm going to go. So you rattle off four wins because you showed him you cared about the important stuff, which isn't soccer, right? In the long run, it's not soccer. You showed him that you loved him. You met him where they're at. You wanted their mental health strong. You wanted their, them to feel like, the world wasn't ending because that's how a lot of these kids feel, right? They don't know the difference because they're kids, right? They're just not developed yet. And you showed them that the world's not ending and we're going to love each other. And then when you got back out on the field, the kids were like, well, shit, let's just play soccer, right? Yeah. Because our, our coach loves us and he's, he's doing that for, for nothing. So now out here, let's give him everything. And I love, I, I, that's beautiful. I love it. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the mistakes we, we make as coaches is that it just, it becomes, I think some, a lot of times just unintentionally or just subconsciously, it's about the winning, right? It's about the winning. It's about your ego. It's about, you know, the record books and, and, you, and we keep track of stats and I've got X amount of wins and I'm, you know, and, and I think we forget that, 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 that empathy, just like trying to meet these kids where they are and, 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 um, the struggle that, that, that they have. And, and it is, I think it's getting harder and harder to, to be a kid nowadays. 
especially with social media. And, you know, I think the mistake to, is to make is, well, they need to toughen up. When I was a kid, you know, I, but that, I'm not a kid anymore. And, and, and I'm not a kid in today's world. And I need to try to get to know these, them as much as possible and, and to figure out how, how they take. I mean, I, I had one of my seniors say to me towards the end of quarantine, said, Coach, I'm quitting. And I said, what's going on? And, and he said, I'm, I'm just having a rough time at home. I'm, we're just fighting at home with my parents. And, and I said, look, if, if leaving the team is going to help, help that situation, I'm 100% behind it. But if you're going to leave the team and it's still there, like I'm not, I don't see the connection here. And, and uh, you know, he decided come on, come to – Come on, escape. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, he hung in. You know, he, he had a harder time getting out of quarantine because of some obstacles that were in his way. So he missed then a few practices, missed the game. And he was a starter before the quarantine. And, and then so when he comes back finally, he's coming off the bench. And I just saw he was like lifeless on the field. So one day in practice, like I called him out. And, and I could see right away he just shut down. And, and again, I'm like, all right, I'm going about this the wrong way. Like he's, he's not, he doesn't want to come out here and suck. Like there's so much going on. So practice ends, I walk over to him and I said, I screwed up. I shouldn't have called you out. You know, there's obviously more going on in your head and, 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 uh, and you need me now. You don't need me to put you down, especially in front of your teammates. And I'm like, you know, what's going on? And we had a nice heart to heart. And again, he's still, you know, in a bad place. And, and then, um, you know, a few days ago, we almost got shut down a, a second time. You know, another case in, in, in our building. And, and, and they said, look, no games today. We're, we're doing all our contact tracing. So I thought at that point, our season was over. Luckily, the next day, they just they pushed it to, to the next day, and, uh, which was uh, yesterday. So I text this kid. He, he hadn't started since, since um, you know, since before we got shut down. And I said, look, we're changing the formation. We're going much more offensive. I have you in the starting lineup today. And I said, um, I just need you to come out and, and work your tail off. And, I, and he has now, he was our second leading goal scorer last year. He had no goals this year. And I said, you're scoring the first goal of the game today. And I said, so I, I need you to come out and be ready to play. We started playing our game yesterday, and 25 minutes into the game, guess who scores the first goal of the game? This guy right here. Who hadn't had a, you know, and I turned to the guys and said, I go, guys, I go, I got to show you my phone. At 7.57, I texted him, and I said, you're scoring the first goal of the game today. And they're like, you know, but I think these kids, you know, again, when you believe in them and you love them and you love them unconditionally, they make you look like geniuses, but it's them. It's not me. It's them. All I did was love them and believe in them. That's it. And that's, the, and that's like the easy part. Like they have the hard part going out and sweating and working hard and, and dealing with some bad calls and um, the frustration that comes into playing sports. So, you know, I've got the easy part. I really do. And being a, and being a teenage high school kid on top of it, right? Like, <laughs> Like everything is hard in life at that point because you got no other reference to, to go out and succeed on the athletic field is, is just so gratifying for these kids. Yeah. So I was thinking about this. You're, you're a, an alum of Valhalla. 
Yes. And, and now you've been there 23 years as a coach and 15 years as the head coach. Do you think that that helps you, you know, love these guys unconditionally? And, and I know coaches do it all over the country and all over the world, but, but you're so invested in this community. Does that, you know, you were that. Does that help yeah. you? I, I, think it, I think it does. Um, you know, so, you know, I was lucky enough to have the, uh, the coach before me, uh, Coach Ferraro, who was there um, three decades. Uh, I was lucky enough to be coached by him and taught by him. And, and he kept, like, he kept meticulous records of what was going on. And I inherited that from him. And, and I started building around it, trying to go backwards and also forwards with, with all the records. And I'm close. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm a few years short of having um, every single record from the 58-year history of our, of our program. And I think when you talk about uh, tradition, when you talk about the jersey, right, and you talk about what the jersey means to us, I think it's easier to, to talk about those things when you have like, and, and I'm a numbers guy. I've got a little bit of a math, math background. I love, I love numbers. I love stats. I think, you know, you can, you can always manipulate them the way you want, of course. But, but I think when you've got like this 58 year history in front of you and you can talk about it to, to the players and, and the significance of, 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 uh, of the Jersey they're wearing and even the number they're wearing, um, I think it can definitely help. And, you know, going back to the fact that I wore that Jersey um, there is some pride there uh, with that and, and that I hope that they care. You know, I'm trying to care for that jersey as much now as a coach as when I was a player. And, um, and I hope that they do also. And, and it does show. They do. Um, they never cease to amaze me in terms of how much they love wearing that jersey. So um, you've been there 23 years. Did you did you coach anywhere else prior? Or did you go to college and then come back to Valhalla? No, no. So so it all happened by accident with the coaching. It's not something I ever you know uh, thought I'd get into. You know, I, I I'm trying to catch up on, on your podcast, and, and and you had your uh you know your TZ uh, basketball coach there, Coach Gaines on, and and uh, you know I love I love listening to the three of you talk, and and, and Coach Gaines. I think he, he brings a lot. And you know I've, I've I've, you know, with social media now, you feel like you know people, right? So when listening to talk, I'm like, all right, this is what he sounds like. I, I know what he looks like. I see him on social media or the paper or whatever it is on the, on, uh, online. Um, so I, I love listening to him talk. I love listening to the, to the both of you talk. And, you know, one of the things that, that, um, that struck me, what he mentioned, and I'm, I'm getting off topic here, is like his, uh, his uh, uniform night that he does, where I heard that I'm like, my goodness, like for me, that's like, you know, when I give out the jersey, that's, um, that's like on my, one of my things of a uh, list of things to do. Like, I just give it out. Like, it's something I just want to get out of the way. And I'm like, he took like, a, a, like a, this little task here and, and, and um, celebrates it as part of his culture. And, and right there, he starts building that team. And that, I mean, it goes way before that, but tangibly, he starts building that, his team in that moment. And, and I was so impressed with that. I'm like, all right, that's something else I'm stealing from another coach. Um, but, and I know you guys, I think, got into it a little bit in terms of coaching. I know he came right out of, uh, right out of, uh, of high school, I think, or college. He was hey, a young hey, guy. I think uh, he was a freshman in college. Yeah, yeah. Just, just coaching at such a young age. And, and, and for me, it wasn't that. Um, you know, I played a couple years in college. Um, 
you know, and, and then and then I started going through the private sector. And then, you know, like most people, you kind of check in with, with your old school and your old coach and, and, and you know, Coach Farr was still there and, and they had an opening on the girls' side. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm like, I'm just, my thought at that point is I'm in the private sector, you know, leaving, getting to a practice at 2.30 or 3 o'clock is not something that I can do on a regular basis. Let me just do it one year. You know, I've got a lot of respect for this coach. It'd be pretty, you know, I played for him. I think it'd be pretty cool now to coach under him. And, uh, and that's what I did. Uh, I had a rough time with the girls that I got to say, like it was just, you know, it was modified. So it was the middle school team. And I spent, it got to a point where I spent more time making sure I was color coordinated than my practice plans. Cause I got there and they talked about this and that. And Oh, someone said they heard you playing the song in your car. And I'm like, I can't do this, but I just want to, I just want to coach soccer. Um, but again, I didn't really understand the whole age and stage and all this stuff they were going through. I didn't, I didn't know, like, you got to take into account gender when you coach. And, and I wasn't ready for any of that at that point. Um, so I did it that one year. And then a few years later, the, uh, there was an opening um, on the modified side again, but on the boys' side, at the, at the modified level. And, and I, he asked me, and I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And, and that was the start of the 23 years. And um, I, I never thought... I would, uh, I would do it this long. Um, I know you guys talked about uh, on that podcast about like maybe getting in, in it for the wrong reasons. Uh, I know for me, I think a mark of being um, a much better coach is that like you're ashamed of that guy you were when you first got into coaching. And uh, I look back and I'm like, my goodness, I can't believe that's who I was then. But that's hopefully the the evolution that you go through as a coach where you start surrounding yourself with the right people um the right books podcasts ted talks whatever it is there's so much out on leadership now that and it's amazing how many poor leaders we have today despite the fact that you can find a million uh you know resources on on leadership today but but i stumbled on it by accident and um you know i kind of flirted with with other um you know, other schools. And even at one point I, I was coaching a, a youth, a youth game uh, on the club side and I'm coaching against, you know, a college coach. I'm like, coach, what are you doing out here? And he's a very well-respected coach in, in the area. And I said, you know, what, oh, I think he said he was coaching as a favor, this one team. And then he says to me, you know, um, I'm going to be stepping down soon from, from where I'm at and I need an assistant coach now. I'd like to bring someone in now to basically groom them to be the next head coach here. And, and he's like, you know, what do you think? You think you may want to, you know, jump over. And, you know, at this point I'm early in my, my uh, coaching career at the varsity level as the head coach. So I go talk to my AD and I start explaining things and he's like, yeah, he's like, look, if, if, if you want to make that jump, I'll, I'll support it. And, um, you know, and he told me the, the challenges of being, you know, a high school teacher than having to go coach college where now they've got to build their schedule around, around me, around my, my, uh, my paying gig. Right. Um, and then I, I really sat down and thought about it for a long time because I think, I think we always think about how like just climbing that ladder. Right. So for me, I started the middle school then I went to JV, then I was the varsity assistant, then the varsity coach. So what's next then. Right. And, and I think, okay, well, next is college. Right. And then, if things work out right, maybe I'll be coaching pros someday, right? And then I thought to myself, no, no, that's, that's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is 
me getting better every day. That's the ladder I need to climb. Um, is is the inside, the invisible, not the visible, not not my resume. Where look look where I'm going. Um, it's those intangibles when, that you look inwards that you don't that no one else can see. And at that point, I said, No, I've I've um I found my home. This is it. I, I want to coach here until until either you know I'm asked to leave or or until I'm I'm ready to leave. And, and uh, so I've been lucky enough to be there now 23 years. Um, and, and I really enjoyed the ride. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of the guy that I was when I first got into coaching. Hey, man, we all join the club. We all yeah. are. Yeah. Right. My, my, I mean, my goal was like, they're going to name the field after me when I'm done. You know, that was my goal. I mean, I mean, how? Oh, no, I could give my wife name my son after me. <laughs> I mean, it's just, to me, it's embarrassing. That was my goal. You know, it had nothing to do with the kids, nothing to do with like, building love and, and, and young men and using, using sports as a vehicle to teach life lessons. Nothing to do with that. I think it's funny you mentioned like uh, being a middle school coach and then a high school coach and like looking at the college level because I started my career out as a, as a college coach and I started at the Division three level then I got to the Division one level. Then I stopped coaching and became a stay-at-home dad. And then a couple of years ago, um, <clears throat> one of my wife's coworkers was a middle school football coach. And he was like, do you know anybody who might want to help out? And my wife was like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and she just volunteered me, right? Came home and was like, hey, you're going to go do this, right? So I coached one season of middle school football and like had a blast, right? Because it's just fun, right? Coaching middle schoolers is fun, especially when you've been up here. And, and then the next year, or like going into that off season, the high school coaches were like, hey, you think maybe you want to join the staff? So that spring I worked out with them going into the summer and – but between the middle school and high school jump, the middle school coach was like, hey, I hear the high school wants you. Um, it's been really fun this year. I was like, hey, wait a minute, man. I had a blast coaching middle school football. If this high school deal isn't the right opportunity for me and my kids and my flight, like, all of it, like I'm going to coach middle school football again next year. Like I'm not looking to like climb that ladder again, right? I'm I've already proved myself it was at, at the one point. I'm just looking to have fun now. And like, so I love to hear the fact that like, you're like, I found my home because I, I really loved coaching those middle school kids after the fact, right? Like if I think if I had started with a middle school team and then I think I would have been in that situation where I was like, well, should I, should I look for high school? Should I look for college? Should I look for like where this is going to lead? But I was on the opposite end of it where I was like, no, nah, man, these middle school kids are the best. They just, they're sponges. They want to learn. They're fun. I can have fun with them. Like we're going to win a hundred to nothing because they're going to be better coaching the other team. Like, let's just go do this. Right. right. And I, I think for me also, I, I think coaching at that high school level, right. Whether it's uh, middle school, high school, that to me is like the purest form of, of coaching where, um, you know, I think once you go into the college and, and uh, it's a business. Yeah, it is. And, and you can you can really mold men at, at that uh, level, like college. But if you're not winning, you're probably not coming back, even though you're doing everything else right. Where I feel like in high school, if, if I went out and, and really focused on the kids and, 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 and um, teaching them these life skills and being better people in our community, um, I think, you know, again, with the right administration, they're not going to look at my record. They're not going to say, hey, coach, you know, you're not making the sectionals. You're not winning playoff games. You know, maybe we need someone who's going to really come in here and, and, and win and, and, and win a championship here. 
um, I feel like I can really try to focus on, on everything um, and not worry about having these W's hanging over my head that if I'm not producing on the scoreboard, that I need to start looking for a job. Um, no, you're I'm, right. You're right in that. And, and it's also like you said, the word administration, man, that's a hundred percent of it too, right? Like, because there's some administrations out there that are going to let you develop your kids and let you like, like see that you're adding uh, value to the world. But, you know, at the end of the day, at the collegiate level, especially like the division one level, man, everybody's got to pay the bills, right? Yeah. So if you're not winning, you're not on the right time slot on TV. So you're not getting the right check and you're not. So yeah, like at years ago, like when I got into it, like head coaches were getting five, six years to, to get it done. Right. Like they had five or six years. They got a class and a half. Now it's like, you don't win after two years. They're like already looking for your replacement. And as the head guy, that's great. Right. You get that buyout. But like as all the assistant coaches, they're just like scrambling for jobs all of a sudden. Like that's a hard life. The, uh, the thing that I love about what you're saying, Sandro, is, you know, if you do all the things that you're talking about, about building character and instilling life lessons and, and uh, all the scores are going to start to take care of themselves. I mean, you, you demonstrated it, you know, in, in the last month, right? You, you ditched all the soccer stuff and you said, we're going to take care of each other. And then two weeks later, you go on a, a, a winning streak, right? Because the score takes care of itself when you take care of, of, of the young men that you're uh, imparted with, right? I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. I think, when, again, when you focus on the little things, which is, you know, character and work, work ethic, integrity, uh, sportsmanship, yeah, winning takes care of it. It's a byproduct, right? I mean, that's, yeah. those things take care, they get, you know, they get taken care of, absolutely. And w one thing you said uh, before we got on here was, uh, all of those things, the integrity, the character, the either you are or you aren't. Yeah. Right? I, I, I absolutely loved that you said that because you could be an outstanding player and, and uh, a model of sportsmanship on the field and then in school or in the community, you're, you're not doing that. And, and I love that you're holding your young men to that high standard that, that you, you are those things or you're not, no matter where you are. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I know I say that a lot, especially to our seniors. We expect our seniors to lead in our program. Um, and, and, and that's the thing. Like, you don't, you don't get to pick and choose when you get to be a leader. You don't get to pick and choose when, you, when you're a person of character. You either have it or you don't have it. So you can't come out, you know, on, on the sports field and say all the right things and, and try to motivate the players and then turn around and cheat on an exam at school. Um, you don't get to do that. And I think uh, like more than anything, and I think we've talked about it. And I know you've talked about another podcast. We as, as, as the leaders have to model that I can't go out and demand all this. Then, you know, in the classroom as a teacher, I'm not, you know, respecting my students or, or holding them accountable or even in the community where I'm out, um, whether it's, you know, driving through the neighborhood. Cause I, cause I also, you know, live here in the same community that I teach and coach in, and I'm also a parent in this community. I can't go around like speeding around through the neighborhood, no seatbelt on, or, or, you know, go out to the local pub and, and, and have way too many drinks and people see me stumbling out of there. Um, I don't get to do that. Uh, so I, I love, and I love that to be honest, even my social media, 
uh, you know, whether it's, you know, my Twitter or my, my Facebook or whatever it is, it's as public as can be. And that's intentional because I want someone to go on there and see what's on there. And if you go on my, my social media, you're not going to see me talking about politics. There's not a single photo of me holding you know, a beverage, an adult beverage in my hand. And, you know, I mean, do I like to have a beer? Of course I do, but I'm not going to advertise that. Right. So, you know, my kids see me at home having a beer and, and, and uh, with dinner, let's say, but um, you know, I'm intentional in terms of what I show. So, you know, is there a little bit of a, you know, we held to a higher standard as, as educators? Absolutely. Uh, it comes with the territory, but you know, for me, I, I like that. I like having that on me knowing that I can't, go online and have a rant about, um, you know, my political affiliations or whatever. I, I like just kind of ignoring that, tuning it out. And I do think though it's made me a better person because um, it, it forces me to, to start to sort of mute people, maybe unfollow people or whatever it is. And, and I'm choosing that positivity and I'm, and I'm choosing to remove that negativity in my life where maybe if I didn't have some of these titles as a teacher, as a coach, I would be jumping in more into the fray of these things and, and I would kind of get brought down to, to where, where those arguments are all are right now. It, it's, uh, you know, uh, like I said at the beginning, we've known each other a long time and, and uh, you know, I've been, I've been following you from afar and following your social media and, and you know, staying connected uh, to Valhalla in, in a myriad of ways, but to watch you uh, take over the program and watch you grow and watch the program grow uh, as, as, as I've grown, right? I mean, you talk about stealing, uh, stealing things from the coaches around you. You know, I, I follow you on Twitter and I'll see something and, and I'll take it and I'll, I'll bring it into the classroom or I'll, I'll bring it in uh, with my guys or the team or whatever. It's, uh, it's really been a, a pleasure to see that you know, that process. And, and I know you saw me at probably my ugliest uh, coaching uh, stint. So uh, I, I, I really am, am, am uh, proud of the, the leader that you've really, uh, really become. So uh, we had a guy on a couple weeks ago uh, from Wisconsin, and, and uh, he was talking about uh, this one aspect of leadership that that uh, I think is going to be your big takeaway for for our listeners. So I'm not going to tease it up too much, but but if you're a developing coach, right? I always talk about young coaches, but it's you know developing coaches, all of us who are, who are learning and listening and reading. Uh, what's what's your one takeaway if if I was going to take it with me to my team tomorrow? I I. I... And I don't know if there's one thing specifically that I would focus in on. I think there's a lot of little things that 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 you could do. I, I know for me, um, you know, if I could just rattle off a couple, if it's okay with you, sure. that, that I think aren't aren't you know too hard to do. But I think one is just you know immersing yourself in in, in coaching education. I know on the soccer side, there's so much available to us. You know, you mentioned earlier on about the United Soccer Coaches. Um, you know, that's a, that's a coaching association that's made up of like 33,000 coaches all over the planet. You've got, you know, coaches from the rec league, uh, rec level, straight up to the pros. And uh, they have a convention every year, um, you know, whether it's like they'll do it in Baltimore, Philly, um, Chicago, Kansas City, Los Angeles. And, and I've been very lucky to go to like the last eight. 
And uh, no matter where it is in the country, I'll go to it. It's every January. You know, this coming January, unfortunately, it's going to be uh, virtually. Uh, but but uh, they and and they'll have the schedule for the day. And there's uh, during every like hour fifteen slot, there's about ten different sessions you can go to, whether it's uh, a technical session, a tactical session, something on culture, something on risk management. I mean, like there's the whole gamut of it, and that goes on the entire day. And, uh, and then, of course, you're with these coaches from all over the planet, and there's the networking that goes on afterwards at, at night. But um, to me, there's a lot of value with, uh, with um, you, know, the, you know, staying on top of, uh, of your coaching certifications. You get a chance to, to really just grow as a person and as a coach. Um, and with that, I think definitely having a big network. I know for me, when I first started getting into coaching, I, I pushed – my fellow coaches aside because I'm, I'm trying to beat you. Why would I, why would I talk to you? Why would I be your friend? Right. And, um, I'm very lucky now that, you know, I'm part of a, of a group of uh, four of the coaches, right. There's five of us all together where we're on this, this text chain and it's been going on now. I want to say about five, six years. We've been just the five of us, um, texting each other and it's just nonstop. And uh, it's not only in season, but, but at, right, our season's about two months long. We text just as much in the other 10 months as we do in the two months. And, you know, who's had kids throughout the, this process and whose uh, kid broke a leg or, or whatever it is. And, and one of the coaches is, um, is the Bronxville coach, right? So he's at the same, he's in the same class that I'm in. And I'm trying to beat the snot out of this guy. And, and I've learned that you can, you can go out and try to beat this guy and love them at the same time. And uh, it doesn't have to be like this whole um, cutthroat where, where like it's just win at all costs. So for me, like the second I got close to these guys and, and, and I say this with all honesty, like I like to think that I'm the dumbest of the five. Um, and I love, I love the fact that the other four know much more than me because I feel like I'm gaining more than they are. Um, so uh, I, I think a second thing is just having that network. Um, and, and even again, like these guys were the first guys that knew about my loss and uh, they're picking up the phone and calling me, you know, are you okay? And I, I mean, having like one of your peers, uh, someone that you love and respect, you know, calling you and just reaching out um, does wonders. But the amount of uh, ideas that I've stolen from these four guys over the years, like, like, wait, wait, what do you do? Like, and then he'll sit down and send it to me and we'll talk about them and, and it's just amazing. So they've, um, you know, those four guys have really pushed me to be, you know, a better coach, husband, father, teacher. Um, so I think, you know, having that, you know, that network there is very powerful. Um, you know, for me also, I've, I've made it a point to bring the parents very close to the program. That's helped a lot. You know, I think you can't, you're not going to find a single coach that hasn't had a run-in with a parent. And, um, but I do think when you talk to most coaches, they'll tell you that, you know, those incidents are far and few between. So I think to lump the majority of the parents into those one or two situations is not fair to them. And, uh, um, you know, I, I've brought them very close to the program where we, um, you know, I have like an email that I send out on a regular basis to them and, and we talk about everything in this email. Like I'll talk about strategy, I'll talk about the formation we're playing, I'll talk about the scouting that I've done, 
Um, I also let them know what's going on uh, in the program every day. And I think by giving them a little snapshot of what's going on, it gives them an opportunity uh, at dinner time, right? So when the kids come home, how is practice today? Good. Conversation's done. But they can say, well, hey, I, I read, you know, your coach sent that on email the other day, and, and he mentioned, you know, X, Y, and Z. Oh, yeah, mom. And, you know, and, and now it kind of, it helps them have these conversations at dinner time in terms of what's going on. Um, I think they also see a different side of, of what we do. And I think that's that's a, a great realization. I know just you, you said you'd listen to George Gain. Uh, you know, George and I have had that conversation a number of times. And he, uh, the one thing that he always brings up is like, it's your parents' job to love you. Like, it's it's their job. Like, they, they should want you to play and they should want you to do those things. But I'm, I'm trying to do its best for, for us. And, right. and, and he's really uh, tried to bridge that gap. Uh, between the, with the parents and, and, and the players and, and the program. So I think that's a really, really powerful thing, uh, but so hard for so many of us and our egos to get over. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it is hard. Um, and, and I know for me, like I, you know, I sign my email with my cell number. Um, I encourage the parents to reach out to me. And, and I know like in every athletic department, there's pretty much like one standard rule. Like you don't talk about playing time. Right. And, and meanwhile, like what's the number one thing parents want to talk about is playing time. So for me, I welcome it. Uh, but I do, you know, with the stipulation that the, their kids come to me first, uh, my job, if I'm doing it right, the kids should know what their role is. They shouldn't be guessing what their role is. Now, I don't always do a great job with that, especially, I'll be honest, this year I didn't do a whole great job of, of articulating every individual's role. You know, we had such limited time um, with, with what happened. And then the last thing I want to do now is do more Google Meets or get these guys more on the phone where they spent the entire day on the phone. But, you know, there shouldn't be any questions to like their, their, their role on the team if I've done a good enough job. So I do ask parents, like, look, if you want to talk about it, absolutely. Let's start with your son, though, first. And if, and if your son doesn't like the answer or you don't like the answer, I'd be happy to sit down and talk to you about it. Um, so that's definitely helped me like, so the parents could see inside and what we're doing here and, and um, with the program. Uh, they really, I think, you know, I'm sure some parents just delete it when they see the emails and other parents read every word of what we write. Um, I also like a little news and notes section where I talk about winning streaks and this is this person's first goal and this is the last time we played this team and how we did and uh, like little tidbits there because I've, I've kept some great records over the last 15 years in terms of what we've done at the varsity level. So it kind of gives them a good idea of what we're doing. Um, I think the other thing too that's very important though is I think you have to really be intentional with your philosophy because you know, I think a lot of times coaches try to scramble and defend what they're doing and it's tough to defend, you know, I know for me, at least on the club side, um, I don't, you know, I, I started my own club in 2015 and it's basically a feeder to, uh, to our school team. And uh, I only take just Valhalla kids. So if you, you could be the world's best player and you live across the street and you're not in Valhalla schools, no, thank you. Um, so I focus on our kids. I don't cut anybody. I play everybody. And, and it does bother some parents. They'll say to me, well, you know, you know, if you played the best players more, we'd probably win more. And I'd say, yeah, you're right. We would, but. Does it just bother the kids, uh, parents who were the best players? 
Yeah, yeah, of course, right? But, 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 I, but also at the same time, but like, I, I get their point, though. I get their point. But, but what I tell them is, this is my philosophy. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. All I'm saying is this is my philosophy, and this is why I do these things then, because you know, when you've got a, a tangible philosophy and you've got your core values and, and you know, things that you like, the pillars of what guides you, um, it's easy to explain why you do what you're doing. It's easy to defend what you're doing. Doesn't mean you're gonna, you may agree with me, but this is what I'm doing. All I'm saying is this is my, what I do, and you have a choice to make now. You can either stay with me and join me for the ride, or you can decide not to. You know, one of the things that I do too is, um, you know, I, I, uh, I asked the secretary, the guidance secretary, to give me the entire team's grades every quarter. And, um, and I look at them and I analyze them and, and I see who's going down and who's going up and the trends. You know, obviously the kids that don't do well, I pull them aside privately. It's not something that I would mention in a group chat, like, hey, so-and-so is failing for the quarter in this one class, right? I mean, nothing good will come out of, of putting somebody down. But, you know, I had a parent tell me one time, like, listen, you're my son's soccer coach. I want you to keep school separate from soccer. And my answer was, then I think you're in the wrong program because I'm not going to compromise what I do, my values. I mean, if you, I'm, not, I'm not bringing in your son's grades uh, to put anyone down or to share it with anybody. I'm doing it to sort of kind of um, be another person that's looking after your son. I mean, who wouldn't want that? I mean, it's, again, we've talked about it before, like how hard it is to be a kid today. Who wouldn't want one more adult in their son or daughter's life looking after them? That cares. That cares, yeah. Advocating for them. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, I think, I think that that kind of brings us right back to it, right? Uh, you, you alluded to George Gain, and I attribute this quote to him all the time, and I know it's not him, and I know it's a hundred other people before him, including John Maxwell and Teddy Roosevelt, but people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And I think, I think what, what you've done at Valhalla is built a program and, and built a club program based around that that idea of love, right? And, uh, I use this definition, Sandra. Uh, genuine care and concern for the well-being of others. So if you get a 15-year-old looking at you kind of cockeyed when you tell them you love them, you can just go like, hey, listen, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary says genuine care and concern for the well-being of others, right? <laughs> it's not too warm and fuzzy. It's not creepy. That's the deal. Uh, hey, but here's the hard part with that, right? Some of these kids don't hear I love you. So when they hear it from somebody who's not mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, who they're not hearing it from anyway, like it does scare the shit out of them, right? Like they're not smothered with love like my kids. Like my kids, can't, like if I never said I love you again, they'd probably be like, thank Christ. My dad has finally stopped showering his love upon me in front of my friends. <laughs> at my soccer practices, at school drop-off, whatever it is, right? But some of these kids, like, that might be the first time they've heard that is when you said it at your first practice with them or, or whenever it happened to, to shake out. And, like, like, I think we had to understand that as coaches. Like, some of these kids just don't get it, right? They don't get the love. They don't get the affection. They don't get the any of that in real life. So when they start getting it in 
not real life and their sports life or their school life or whatever, they're going to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because they're like, ah, I don't know what this means. Right. So yeah, I so think, so. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. I was just going to say that it's a word that's used. It's thrown around so much, right? Who loves ice cream? Who loves pizza? Who loves this movie? Who loves, right. And then when you use it, According to the dictionary's definition, and you're using it in, in, in such a powerful, it does, it does bother people. Um, but, you know, of course, I'm not, you know, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I'm not using it first practice, right? Because oh, yeah. for some of these guys, I'm, I'm, I'm just seeing them for the first time. But, you know, I've got a 14-year-old son at home and a 13-year-old daughter. You know, when I'm, I'm in season, and, and a lot of times out of season, I'm spending more time with them, quality minutes with my team, than I am with my own kids. And uh, it's something that I struggle with as a father, make, you know, with that balance of, of, of home life and, and what I do there. But I also feel like that's when you're wired that way as a coach in terms of going out and having a successful program, like you, you make sacrifices. And part of my sacrifice is on, is on the home end. But again, when I spend that much time with someone else's kids um, and, and, and really trying to help shape them and mold them as if they're my own son, you bet I love those kids, and and I and I hope that they do. They go on to do great things, and and, um, and I told these guys, and I, I know for me again, um, even as something as simple as you know, you know, Coach Domenico, you mentioned before about like uh, what little things you you know I would you know try to give to a coach. To me, like one of the most simple simplest things is is how do you define success, right? How do you define? I know for me the longest time. It was that scoreboard. That's what defines success. If it said I scored more goals, I'm doing a good job. If it says I scored less goals, I didn't do a good job. And uh, <clears throat> that's what it was to me initially as a coach. And then for a while, in the middle years, I knew it wasn't that, but I didn't have a definition though, right? I, I knew it wasn't the scoreboard. But now, like my definition, right? Like in this, 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 this third I'm in now, like to me, it's like if, if you're not picking up the phone in 20 years, if um, you're not, uh, you know, if I'm not calling you for your birthday or texting or FaceTiming for your birthday, then I wasn't successful. And when I use that metrics, right, I know my first teams, I don't have that bond there, you know, where they're not reaching out to me, I reach out to them. And that's because I failed them as a coach because back then, success was that scoreboard and to me it's not you know and I again when I before we got on the field today I told these boys I said if you go out and you give it your all the entire time I don't care what that scoreboard says you walk off with your head up because I can't ask more than your best that's it and if you give your best today that scoreboard's a moot point I mean obviously we hope it says we scored more goals but um you know so so again going back earlier yeah, what's your definition of success? How do you how do you define what you do? I think you know. Uh, I think that's a great jumping off point. I think for for a coach who's listening and maybe wants to to maybe get a little get a little something, right? It's it's starting to articulate that philosophy and articulate our why and articulate you know what our what our big goal is and takes a long time right it takes a lot of it takes a lot of practice uh, I do think that we have another conversation to have uh, working on that intent in 10 
we're gonna we're gonna talk about your captain philosophy. So, uh, you know, for those of you listening, you know, look for that coming in the not too distant future. Thanks for huddling up with us this week on the Coaches Platform podcast. Remember, you can find us at Coaches Platform on Twitter and Instagram. Contact us at thecoachesplatform at gmail.com. And please remember to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify, or wherever you happen to find your podcasts.